So welcome along to the next episode of the iPhotography podcast. You are listening to Stephen. I'm one of the iPhotography tutors. And we're also joined by another wonderful tutor today. If you've not caught any of our podcasts before, you've started listening at a great time. I'm today joined by Rachel Sinclair, who is our expert wildlife photographer at iPhotography. And um, we wanted to get like a little bit more of an insight as to the world and the lifestyle of a wildlife photographer. So we've kind of prepared like a little mini interview. Um, so you can kind of give us a little bit of a, a hello and a little bit of an introduction about yourself, Rachel, if, uh, if this is the first time that anyone's listening to an iPhotography podcast so they can get to know you. And then we've got, yeah, say a few questions to kind of fire on in to kind of get a little bit of insight behind your uh, your expertise and your, and your lifestyle as a wildlife photographer. So do you want to give us a, a little bit of a bio to begin with about yourself and your work? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Rachel Sinclair and I've been working with iPhotography uh, since the summer. Um, I specialise in teaching people how to um, take fantastic wildlife photographs. Um, my business is really set around trying to help people get the images that they want um, by helping them to understand not just how to use a camera but um, how to look at the wildlife and see the behavioural traits that the animal might be, be displaying to look at the environment and to try and get all of that included in their images. Um, so before um, COVID, we were running some safaris to Kenya and we were expanding into other countries of um, Central and South Africa. Um, unfortunately, we had to put that on hold for now, but hopefully we'll get back to that. Uh, another time <laughs> when yeah <COVID's> over. <laughs> <laughs> it feels, feels like forever it does but yeah it, it is a it's a horrible thing obviously on you know on, on a huge global scale but yeah when you start to look at it as to how it affects people's day-to-day -day lives and their lifestyles it's it's amazing I imagine you've had to change so much about what you do or what you had plans for um, yeah I bet it, I yeah bet it's I mean crazy. it's trying to look at the bigger picture and I'm very very lucky I'm one of the lucky ones that I still uh, can yeah. get a bit of work back home and you know can pay the bills and things but uh, but yes it is it it is disappointing <laughs> and it yeah. is, it's been a challenging year but for everybody I suppose indeed um, so yeah looking Fingers forward to getting crossed. back to Africa at some point <laughs> yeah yeah hopefully that would be absolutely amazing maybe um yeah. I, I photography goes abroad you know yeah for the, the first times that'll be absolutely incredible <laughs> yeah. right so kind of kicking off so yeah I've got like a, a list of uh, a few different kind of questions touching on a little bit of your experience and kind of insights and I suppose like little tips that you may be able to kind of offer people who are thinking of getting into wildlife photography at different levels whether it's just domestic or I just like you've done you know a, a much more exotic and more international but initially I just wanted to ask you know, what what is your most memorable experience on a photography safari yeah when you sent me this question to think about I I actually really had to think about it because I ha I'm really fortunate in that I've had so many really really good uh, sightings of animals um I'm very very in love with elephants so I suppose it would have to be one of my elephant sightings um, and I'm going to go with one that I had in Samburu which is um, we kind of call it northern Kenya but in actual fact it's not it's more in the central of Kenya but right in the north is just desert so a lot of people don't really class <laughs> that as part of Kenya but it's quite a, a northern area um, it's very dry and very dusty and it's very very hot there 
and uh, I went there on my own just with a driver in between um, two tours we were running with students so I had a few days on my own um, which was nice I mean I really do enjoy being with people and teaching people but the advantage of going on your own is that you can just sit and you don't have to talk to anyone or help <laughs> anyone you can just literally just sit and watch the animals so um, for about three or four hours me and the driver just sat and watched a herd of elephants and um, we got some really lovely, um, got some nice photographs, but actually I didn't take that many photographs. I just wanted to sit and watch them. So they were dusting, yeah. they were eating and playing and uh, so they were going in and out of the river. And it was just really lovely to have that time to just sit and watch and not feel hurried or feel that I have to move on to the yeah. next thing. So, yeah, I think for me, that was probably one of my nicest experiences it, yeah. do, it does feel that from times that I've talked to you in the past and, and from things that I've read about wildlife photography that it is maybe like 90% observation um, and then maybe yeah. you know, 10% of that time spent actually kind of taking those shots because it's so crucial it feels like um, to understand your subject would you say is that is that probably kind of a, a, a correct assumption about wildlife photography yeah I, I do think you're right I think you can anyone can pick up a camera and take a picture of an animal that they they see um but that i think will always look like a snapshot you've not really mm. spent the time to watch the animal and, and see how it moves see how it reacts with its environment and i think those are always the more interesting images um and they take time you need to like you say watch the animal and uh, maybe you might even have to go back time yeah. after time and to get that really nice image so yeah I think it a lot of it is watching and I think if you can learn to just enjoy sitting and watching and not necessarily <laughs> always picking up your camera yeah I think you have a much better experience um, it's yeah well. it's like yeah it's kind of trying to hold yourself back from the thing that you want to do the most yeah to, be able to take those photographs it's it kind of some maybe somewhat feels unnatural but maybe that's where potentially people kind of fall down or they don't yeah. have the right kind of personality traits in a way but um but yeah maybe we'll, we'll come to that another time but okay so kind of given given what you were saying a little bit earlier actually because something that caught my ear obviously with with everything that's going on with with COVID etc I appreciate um traveling etc is a, a limitation for a lot of people but ideally speaking Speaking, where would your next or wildlife kind of photo destination be? Um, well, we we had hoped to go to Uganda, and that was next on the list because we wanted to work with some of the rangers, and we'd planned a really nice um, itinerary where people could spend time uh, with the rangers um, along Burunga Park um, and Burundi National, sorry, Penetral Park. Um, so that was next on my list. Um, so hopefully once everything starts picking up again, probably try and get back to that and get um, that itinerary going as well. Yeah, I do. Um, so, so Africa is your is your kind of home in that sense for... Yes, for it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've met quite a lot of people there now uh, in different countries and trying to um, trying to do tours in different countries that have different animals as well. So mm. obviously you can't really, you can't see the gorillas in Kenya. Um, but you can fly from Kenya to Uganda. So it's just yeah. trying to link things up a bit more so people have more species that they could photograph if they want to. Yeah, yeah um, to give you a, a wider range. Yeah, I mean, but um, my business is very much set around trying to find 
um, local people that I can mm. work with and trying to bring some sort of um, economy and work for those people. So I was quite interested in trying to get something going with the Rangers um, because even before COVID, they'd had a really tough time yeah. with poaching and then um, quite a few rangers had actually been killed so okay. yeah it would have been it would be really nice to do something with them guys okay. it's, it sounds a very demanding uh kind of role you know it's not just a case of picking up a camera and you know taking pictures and, and then coming home etc as you say you obviously want to get more embedded with the the culture the society the economy um yeah. of the places that you go i mean would you say it is it's hard to become a, like a pro wildlife photographer, even at any level, you know, whether it's domestic or international, do you think that the role itself demands a lot more than you expected? Uh, I think particularly now, um, I'm sure you've heard the phrase that everybody with a phone thinks they're a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, no, we'll, we'll save that for another debate definitely <laughs> one day. There's far, far uh, too much to say on that topic. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's definitely... Um, opened up photography for more people which is fantastic in, in yeah. one way but in another way it has it's made it harder to make a living from um certain areas of photography yeah. um i think you know there's wildlife images everywhere now which is great mm-hmm. but it's trying to make something a bit different um yeah and i suppose with with my business i'm not really uh, geared up as a wildlife photographer in as much as I sell prints and I sell books I, I'm more geared up towards helping other people learn photography yeah. so it's a bit of a different niche um, mm-hmm. but I do think that there is a great opportunity for wildlife photographers to help in conservation and to help other people understand wildlife in certain areas and trying to help um people from say England understand what life is like for people in Kenya yeah. and I think once people have that experience and that understanding then they become more interested in it as well so it's also yeah. a way that you can try and help spread the message and um, help get people more interested in what is actually going on it, so I do sounds... think there's more opportunity there in that area for Indeed, I mean, so yeah it sounds like a very the way that you approach it, at least, it sounds very selfless. Um, that, as you say, you get the benefit of capturing the images, watching the the wildlife, you know, taking an experience. But there is benefits for the other people that, as you say, live in the community around you, etc. But so, so, with that in mind, I mean, I, I suppose I'm thinking, kind of, what what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of, of the role as a wildlife photographer? What do you feel that you get out most from your your job? Um. Without say, sounding too <laughs> glamorous or no, no, like <laughs> be as egotistical um, and as glamorous as you wish. <laughs> I'm obviously being able to go to wonderful places is yeah. a bonus, but um, I mean, I've always loved animals since I was a, a, a really small child. So for me, I think I could I could basically just have a normal nine to five and then go on safari, at, you know, as a holiday. Mm um which a lot of people do which is fine but I don't think that actually helps really uh, the animals (laughs) in any way really um other than you know some money that might be from your um national park fees or something like that whereas Mm. I think 
for me, I don't, re- I'm not like a doctor or a nurse where I'm constantly helping people and, you know, feeling rewarded in that way. So yeah. I feel like this kind of setup, it's kind of like something I can do to try and help. Um, yeah. Even though it's a very, very small scale, I just feel that every time I take people to uh, Africa or maybe in the future other parts of the world, I know that their money is going to help the animals and the community. And I think for me that I, I find that quite rewarding yeah. Um, kind of giving back in a small, a very small way. Oh, but, <laughs> but charitable but giving, yeah. you know, as you say to any level is, is I'm sure the people that benefit from it are very grateful. Um, yeah. Cause it, I mean, it, it would be very easy just to pick a hotel online um, mm. and take people there, but that hotel might be run by somebody who's a billionaire in an Arab country or, yeah. whatever and it doesn't benefit really the community or the animals in any way so just by having the business set up a bit differently I think yeah. that that does make me feel like at least I'm trying to help a few people um and obviously provide a really good experience that um hopefully people will remember for the rest of their life as well and it'll be oh. a good experience <laughs> well yeah that's it it's a good point it, it's it's uh... We see a lot in this country, in the UK, um, a lot of pushes towards independent traders and independent retailers and things like that for, yeah. for domestic sales. And I suppose there's no different really as to what you're trying to do, you know, in other countries, really, it's like approach the people that have built up their community as opposed to um, bigger businesses that may not necessarily have the local interests at heart. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's, as you say, that kind of level of charitable giving and, and being able to give something back and having reoccurring income uh, and yeah. building those relationships is really, really important. Obviously, it's it's all kind of fell by the wayside a little bit at the minute with the, the way yeah. the world is. But as you say, hopefully it's something you can kind of get back to really. But it, it, it's it's nice to kind of see that, that kind of level of those traits, I suppose, in a personality. But I mean, what kind of personality do you think someone needs to be successful in in wildlife photography not necessarily kind of specific so much to safari and and kind of international mm-hmm. travel but maybe even just on a more kind of domestic level you know is is there kind of maybe a couple of particular traits that people need to i say look for in themselves or, or kind of train themselves into to to become a little bit more successful in in such a field yeah i mean with everything there's different levels of success isn't there and some people might not really feel like they're successful until they've won um a major competition or something Mm. like that but um just I think whatever you want to do whether it's just you want to take pictures just for yourself to share with your friends and family or you do want to hit the big time I really feel with wildlife photography the most important thing is patience yeah if you don't have patience it's not going to be enjoyable <laughs> because the animals just, you have to get into the mindset of you are there to watch the animals and to record, uh, record what they are doing rather than um, trying to make them do what you want them to do. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you can't you know, pose like, an African elephant. You no, can't you just can't. shout you directions. Just, exactly. You can't. And I think a lot of people really struggle with, oh, it's not in the right place. Or oh, it's, <laughs> the sun is now on the wrong side. And it's trying to just take a step back and yeah. say, well, actually that animal is there. So how can I make this work? Or yeah. if I can't make this work, then 
we'll come back another time. Yeah. Um, and I think if you really want to get at well, get really good at wildlife photography, you really have to practice and mm-hmm. you have to prepare, be very prepared to keep going back and trying again. Um, you know, you might take a really nice picture of of a pigeon in the in your backyard, but there yeah. will always be a hundred other ways you could take that picture of a pigeon. Yeah. Um. So it doesn't really matter what animal it is. It's it's being in that right mindset of oh, I'm going to try that again and I'm going to try it this way this time and yeah, I'm being gonna get, I'm going to get up earlier and try it with different light or kind of yeah, just, being, being yeah, experimenting yourself and as you say, persistence to to yeah. always look better and then look back at it and say, well, is that the best version I could have got? Or as you say, if I wait a couple of hours or even a couple of days. You know, yeah. if, if it is a pigeon, I'm sure it'll come back to your garden again. Just yeah, exactly. Maybe wait, maybe set up the camera differently, you know, put some treats out in a different place and and, yeah. and maybe, you know, you'll get the, the, the right shot at the right time. But I mean, you kind of maybe picked up on like one or two there, as you say, kind of patience is probably a, a thing that maybe some new wildlife photographers fall down on. But what would you say is the most kind of common mistake or mistakes um, that you see being made by uh, new starters new wildlife photographers is there a, a persistent theme in anything like that yeah um I think because I teach people I do see this quite a lot um it's always wanting that close-up <laughs> <laughs> people really want to be super super close to the animal um sometimes that means they put themselves in um dangerous positions because they're getting too close or they're pushing their camera equipment and cropping in too much. Um, yeah. And then, you know, they're making their shot really pixelated or it's losing sharpness. Um, and I think it's that getting that your head around the fact that you don't have to have that super close-up shot of an animal to be a really nice wildlife image. Yeah. Um, if your equipment, you don't have the super telephoto lenses, you can still take great images with the equipment you do have you just maybe have to think about how you could include their environment or um, maybe a behavioural trait that they're showing or something where you don't have to be so zoomed in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's that that I find people always want that really super-duper cropped tight image. <laughs> yeah, maybe something they've seen from other pros and they yeah. instantly think they can emulate it regardless of thinking about their kit maybe somewhat. But, yeah, well, yeah. I suppose that, that's why it's very good to have a, a wildlife photography course, maybe somewhere online for, for somebody to, to learn about what they do need. And <laughs> if I could shamelessly plug Rachel's fantastic <laughs> iPhotography wildlife course, I will. You can find it at www.iphotography.com forward slash wildlife and you can find out all the wonderful tricks and and hints and techniques and teachings that Rachel can offer you um, if you are starting out on wildlife photography but one last question that I've got before I let let you go um, this is something that I I kind of thought was an interesting question um, kind of looking back maybe over your career not that it's coming to an end or anything like that but (laughs) reviewing what you've done so far in life that if you could go back in time and and give your younger self a, a bit of advice about wildlife photography what what kind of one little golden nugget would you uh, would you give yourself if you were a time traveler yeah I found this really hard <laughs> to answer because I think your life experiences make you the person that you are now so yeah. you know if I went back and changed something I, I would probably be a completely different person now um but I think when I was very young I really really loved animals and then 
I mean, I've always loved animals, but I was a bit yeah. obsessive about it. And then when I got to like secondary school and college, um, I kind of lost my interest in animals because maybe um, my friends were not as interested in that kind of area as yeah. other things. And I think now that I'm older, I think that was quite sad. So yeah. maybe it's, um, I'm sure people do it all the time, but I think when you talk to older people, and you ask them what job they would really like if they could, they often revert back to something that they did when they were very young. Mm. Um, so I think if I'd, I'd tell myself to not lose that passion for animals that I had yeah. when I was very young, um, and maybe that, I mean, that could have taken me off in a completely different direction. I probably would have become a vet or yeah it's <laughs> still still as you say working with animals uh you know that that's obviously still been the concurrent theme throughout your life it's yeah it, it, it's lovely to see so much passion because as you say I think given the fact that you you've, you've outlined that someone needs so much patience to succeed um whatever we define success as but at least succeed within this field that um to have that passion that's been going on for well how long have you been would you say a, a photographer for, for in wildlife um so I started off my photography career as a wedding photographer um and that would be nearly 17 years ago now um so I've been doing wildlife for about 10 um, so yeah so even like the first seven years I wasn't even really doing what I really wanted to do no um, so mm-hmm. and weddings was totally not on my radar at all I was gonna say <laughs> did, did something happen so much that just drove you to to like want to leave weddings and, and go and photograph elephants <laughs> but I suppose, but I suppose well, it's, yeah. it's always been rumbling in the background ever since you were a kid you were saying about the the love of animals so it's it's yeah. a stepping stone everything in photography is a stepping stone it that, is yeah it depending is. upon how you go about your career maybe you have to do some jobs that aren't directly what you want but it gets you from a yeah. to b to c exactly so i i understand yeah. that most definitely so it's great to see that you've managed to achieve i suppose that that goal and that dream that you've been persistent throughout it really but um that's wonderful yeah well, and i think that kind of comes back to just patience as well and don't give up maybe yeah that's something we could tell people is uh yeah. if, if you really want to do something just keep working at it and hopefully you will get there Indeed. <laughs> oh fantastic well it's it's been a lovely opportunity to to speak to you Rachel and give a and get a little bit more insight onto the the lifestyle um you know how how your work how you've become to to be this you know fantastic wildlife photographer and and to kind of hopefully give uh, our lovely listeners uh, a little bit of insight as well as to kind of what that lifestyle is like and how easy it is to achieve and the pitfalls to watch out for etc as well but I think we've already brought up a few points that could uh, be worth discussing in a, in a future podcasts as well yeah definitely no, <laughs> so if, <laughs> if this is like the first time that you're listening um definitely kind of keep looking out for more because we'll certainly have some more interviews and it looks like there's going to be tons more discussions on top <laughs> um as we said a little bit earlier um iPhotography does have a fantastic wildlife course that's been fully de- fully designed developed and produced and presented uh, by Rachel so if you want to check that out uh jump onto the old internet and have a look at iPhotography.com forward slash wildlife um, I'll also give Rachel the opportunity to shamelessly plug her own uh, social media and website as well. If you've got any links that people can have a look at your work after uh, this interview. Um, what, what's your uh, your website? Any social medias that you've got you can let us know? Oh, thank you. Um, yes. Yeah, so Safari Sinclair is um, my Safari business. So that's just 
safarisinclair.co.uk. And then, um, I mean, I'm not that active at the moment on socials, but you can find me on Instagram, um, which is safarisinclair underscore Rachel. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> no, no, you're more than welcome. I, mean, I, think, I think after all this conversation uh, in audio, it's lovely to actually see the results of your work if people aren't, uh, people haven't met you before or are new to eye photography as a whole. Um, yeah. So yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening as well. If this is your first time in listening to eye photography uh, on podcast, uh, check out all the other podcasts we've got. Keep looking out on iPhotography.com for some of our blogs, obviously our online courses, as we've said already. And you can also find us on social media as well on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Um, I think we've even got a little bit of TikTok and YouTube as well. We're pretty much everywhere you can find on the net. So in the meantime, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you in another episode. So from me, I'm Rachel. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Thank you.